Hi everybody, welcome to Lost Floors Church. I'm Chris, I'm the pastor here, and we're in the middle of this sermon series simply titled Being Happy. It's based on the Beatitudes, uh, which is the beginning of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew chapter 5 if you want to read through those. Uh, several years ago, I just remember I was driving just down the street, pull up to a stoplight, and as I'm sitting there, I, I look over, I, I see the car right next to me is you know, level with me, and you kind of have to look. And so I turn and I, I look over, and all I see is the middle finger. <laughs> this person, their their face is blocked, and all they're doing is they're they're showing me their middle finger. They were obviously not pleased with me. But as I look, I I started to chuckle, and then I realized I I know this person, and I know this person from way way in the past, like twenty years ago. And I realize I, I know exactly why he's showing me his middle finger because he doesn't like me. He doesn't like my family. And, and so for 20 years, I look at this guy. He's been holding on <laughs> to this this anger and this bitterness. Obviously, he wasn't ready to forgive what he thought that we did to him many, many years ago. And and as the light turned green and he drove away, I, I chuckled at first. I was like, wow, that is unbelievable. But then when you start to think about that, you think, wow, I feel really sorry for him. To, to live in this state of unforgiveness, it's not a healthy place to be. And today, as we look at the Beatitudes, as we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And just a quick reminder that this word blessed comes from the Greek word Makarios and Makarios means being in a state of happiness. It's not due to your circumstances. It's just because you do these things that Jesus has listed here, you're in this state of, of joy or this state of happiness. And, and today we're talking about happy are those that are merciful. So they have a heart that shows mercy. Mercy can be both compassion to those that are less fortunate or it can be forgiveness to those that have hurt you. When we look at compassion, we see Jesus in Luke chapter 18. He's walking down the road and there's this whole crowd around him. And a blind beggar begins to shout out to get Jesus's attention. And he says, Jesus, have mercy on me. And those around Jesus aren't willing to show mercy to the blind beggar. They're telling, telling him to be quiet. But Jesus stops and he heals the blind beggar. He shows him the mercy he is asking for, even though the crowd wasn't ready for that. In that moment, Jesus is showing mercy and compassion for this man. And then, if you talk about forgiveness. Now, what Jesus showed this man was mercy, but compassion. It wasn't forgiveness. There was nothing to be forgiven there. Uh, to me, the most profound moment of forgiveness, I, I think, in human history is when Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's literally been crucified and beaten, and he cries out to God to forgive those that have just executed him, that have just crucified him. What a moment of forgiveness. It shows this heart of Jesus, this merciful heart, that's willing to forgive those even though they have killed him. And I believe that Offering forgiveness is more difficult than showing compassion. 
showing compassion to someone that's less fortunate or in need of help is one thing. But offering forgiveness to someone that has injured you or hurt you, that's a little bit bigger. That's a little bit more difficult. Now, Jesus teaches us a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount how to pray. And in, in that, as he teaches us how to pray, this is what he says. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. For if we forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So you just stop and think about that just for a moment. That Jesus is literally saying if we can't forgive other people, then God's not going to forgive us. Again, it's a picture of our, of our heart. If we don't have a heart that's merciful, if we don't have a heart that's willing to forgive those that have hurt us, then God's not going to forgive us. It's this picture of who we are. And so to live with an unmerciful heart, an unforgiving heart, it literally can lead to self-destruction. It does lead to self-destruction. It leads to an unhappy life. Happy are those that are merciful. So to live with an unmerciful heart, an unforgiving heart, like the guy I talked about in that opening illustration, that's a self-destructive place to be. It, it leads to an unhappy life, it, to hold on to the bitterness. We all know somebody, or maybe ourselves, we've held on to this unforgiveness so long that it's, it's begun to just creep into every part of our lives. And we live with this anger, this bitterness. And so here Jesus is saying, happy are those that are merciful. They'll be shown mercy, but unhappy are those that cannot show mercy. And as Jesus said, they're not going to receive mercy. And Jesus tells a story about a, a man that is forgiven this huge debt. In fact, the, the king is the one that he owes the debt to. And the king is calling in his debts. And he brings this man in. And this man owes more than he could ever pay. And, and, and this man begs and pleads. And, and finally, the king says, okay, you know what? I'm just going to, we're going to call it all even. You're, you're free to go. Think of the weight that would be lifted from you if just all your debt is gone. And, and if you know the story, the man walks out. And within, as he's walking home, he sees a man that owes him a few dollars and he chokes the man and demands that he pays him and threatens to throw him in prison. And what's interesting about this is that man, the man who's been forgiven all this debt that turns around and then demands payment from somebody else, he's the one that ends up back in prison. And an unmerciful heart leads to an angry and, and, and this man, he ends up in prison. He ends up by his own doing. It's like he almost puts himself back in prison. We all know somebody, don't we? We know somebody that, that has done this to themselves. They're hanging on to that bitterness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When we are quick to forgive, when we are quick to show compassion, then Jesus is saying he will be quick to show us mercy. And the thing is, is when we live that way, 
when we live with this heart that is merciful, that is soft, that responds to people in a compassionate way, that is quick to let go of the anger, the bitterness, we're going to live a happy life. And literally, we're going to live a happy life. That's literally what Jesus is saying. Happy are those that live in this place of mercy because God will show them mercy. The second part of this is just the next verse, Matthew 5, 8. And it says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure for they will see God. And I believe these two tie together. That heart that is merciful or that heart that is pure. And what does why, why a pure heart? What does that have to do? Well, it's pretty interesting when you look back at the history of, of, the, of the Jewish people. There was this, this obsession with cleanliness, especially later as it got closer to the time that Jesus was born. Like a couple hundred years right before Jesus was born, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were, they wrote all these rules for cleanliness. And the interesting thing about it is they had some 200 pages. If you wrote, put it all in a book, it'd be like some 200 pages on how to be clean. Whether it was the temple, whether it was the things in the temple, whether it's your own tent or, or places that people lived, it was your hands, but nothing was mentioned about the heart. Now, Jesus knew this. He would have known that. And so when he says God blesses those whose hearts are pure, that, that word pure can also be used for cleanliness. And so, so here Jesus is talking about a clean heart. So here Jesus mentions this clean heart, but he doesn't mention clean hands. He doesn't mention a clean temple or, or anything else. He's just saying, blessed are those who have a clean heart or a pure heart. Now, how many of you have heard your mother or a mother say cleanliness is next to godliness. And what's interesting, that verse obviously is not in the Bible, but if you read through the Old Testament, there's a whole bunch about cleanliness. And, and so it's pretty easy to come up with the conclusion that cleanliness is next to godliness. And so to the religious leaders of Jesus's day, cleanliness was next to godliness. In fact, many of them put that above actually having a clean or pure heart. And that's what Jesus is going after here. So, so blessed are those who have a pure heart, for they will see God. So what he's saying here to this, these religious leaders is that, number one, they don't have a pure heart. And number two, they won't see God. And I'm just gonna say those religious leaders would not have responded very well to that. I don't think they would have liked that. Jesus quite often had some pretty sharp words for the Pharisees. If you read through the New Testament, really the only people that Jesus ever really attacked or had bad things to say about were the religious people. And so in Matthew chapter 15, this is what Jesus says to them. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And, and he makes another comment in, in Matthew about cleanliness, where he talks about, you know, you guys worry about the outside being clean, but you're not worried about the inside. And, and so here we have this 
this picture of the religious people where they, they do everything right on the outside, so they look good. But really on the inside, they're, they're not pure. They're, they're not clean. And so these religious leaders were very worried about the tradition. They cared more about looking good than actually being good. And so that's why Jesus is attacking them. And that's why he uses these words, God, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And so it's more important to have a clean heart than to look good on the outside. Now, many of you are old enough to remember Eddie Haskell. He was one of the characters on Leave it to Beaver, a famous TV show way back when. And Eddie Haskell, I just remember that he was the one that would always talk really good to, to the parents. Whenever there's an adult around, he tried to look really good. But as soon as they were gone, he was just this terrible kid and, and had, well, basically a bad heart. But he always wanted to look good on the outside. He was always trying to impress people on the outside. But in all reality, there was nothing going on inside. And what's interesting about Eddie Haskell, and I just read this this week, is psychologists have actually come up with something called the Eddie Haskell syndrome. And, and this is what it is. It says psychologists use this phrase when someone uses one personality for superiors and another for everyone else. And so, so they're, they're using this one personality to impress their superiors, to impress their boss, or to impress their parents. But as soon as those people are gone, their real self comes out. In other words, they're clean on the outside, but their inside is not. And so that's what Jesus is saying. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The, the Pharisees, they had Eddie Haskell syndrome. And so, so here it is. Having a pure heart is not about being perfect. And, and that's what we need to really understand here. It's not about being perfect. It's about being real. And, and being honest about your shortcomings. Being honest about your mistakes. Trying to do what is right. Trying to do what is good. But man, when you don't, when you mess up, you, you come clean. You, you come clean. I want a pure heart, so you've got to come clean. And, and you admit these things. And, and along with that, tying back into blessed are those who are merciful. When we are real about who we are, when we're real about our shortcomings, it not only will we have a pure heart, but we'll be more merciful to those that struggle just like us, maybe that have caused us hurt and pain. Maybe those that are less fortunate, we can offer them mercy. Because having a pure heart, that is when you will see God. And what is that? When do we get to see God? Well, obviously in this earth, we're never going to see God. But I believe we can experience God. And in those moments when we are real, when we are at this place where, man, God, I'm giving everything to you, I've, I've messed this up. I need your help. And, and your heart is pure. That's when God meets you. Because I believe God meets us right where we are. And, and what's interesting is Psalm 24. It kind of mentions these same words that Jesus is using. But he says this, Who may climb the mountain 
of the Lord. Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. See, the Pharisees never included the heart. They were worried about the hands. Here, it says, who can see God? Who's going to climb this mountain? Who's going who's to be with them in the holy place? Those that have clean hands, a clean heart. In other words, those that are pure. Their heart is merciful. They will know him. They will be with him. You know, many times in my years, I've had mountaintop experiences. We all have. We, we call them mountaintop experiences. Maybe it's from this verse in Psalm 24. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? It's funny because we, we picture when you're trying to, to find some deep secret that you climb some mountain and find some guru at the top that's going to tell you the secrets of the world, right? And, and, and that's kind of the picture. Who's going to climb the mountain of the Lord? Who's, who's going to stand in his holy place? Well, you have to have a pure heart. You gotta have a merciful heart. And those mountaintop experiences happen when you are real. When you're able to go, oh, I can't do it on my own. I need your help, God, and I believe he meets us in those moments. I, I've shared this story before, but I remember when I was a youth pastor and I was supposed to have it all together, right? And took this high school group up to Hume Lake, top of the mountain, and in the chaos of trying to get a whole bunch of high school kids calmed down and in their rooms and all that, I was, I was stressed out. And, and we go into worship and, and still I'm stressed out and then the lights go out and they just, they dive right into worship. No nothing, just boom, right in. And it was just this, this moment for me where I realized, what am I so worried about? What am I so angry about and anxious about? And I was able in that moment to let go of my frustrations with a few of the kids, with some of the leaders, and just go, I'm here to worship. And I had that mountaintop experience. And, and it's there's nothing like it. And, and those are the moments that you're going to see God, at least here on this earth. And I believe this verse is both here on this earth and eternity. When you have a pure heart, that's when you will spend eternity with God. Now, maybe right now you just take some time and experience. I don't know, you can't make up a mountaintop experience. But maybe right now you need to open up your heart. Maybe you need to let go of some bitterness and some anger. You need to offer some compassion and forgiveness and maybe you need to cleanse your heart admit those things that you messed up on and then just let God meet you there let me pray for us dear heavenly father I do pray that you would meet us right where we are right now so many of us are going through times of anxiety or stress Maybe we have an issue with anger, unforgiveness. Lord, help us to check our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts. Give us pure hearts so that we can experience you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.